Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. While manger scenes are popping up all over town, Christmas carols suddenly fill the airwaves, visions of sugar plums and fairies and Santa dance in young children's heads, we are given a very different vision of the coming of the Lord here in the Gospel of Mark. According to Mark, we can forget the stable, forget the star, forget the shepherds standing watch over their flocks at night. When Mark looks into the Christmas sky, what he sees are cosmic fireworks. A darkened sun, a dim moon, stars falling from the sky like sparks from a sparkler. And there in the center of the smoke, the Son of God comes in. Comes in with clouds, with great power, with glory, with majesty. It's a vision of the end of time. This is Mark's Christmas story. (laughs) The final coming of the Lord, when the whole world as we know it will become compost for a new world, for the world that God has always envisioned for us. That world Jesus worked His entire ministry to convince us to be part of. And for the most part, we rejected it. Like the prophets before Him, Jesus spent His entire ministry describing to us this new world, but it it turned out to be too hard. More difficult than anybody had imagined. It involved way too much togetherness, for one thing. I mean, it wasn't just worshiping with other people, but actually a challenge to live with other people. A challenge for us universally to get along with one another, where peace kind of rules the day. Making decisions together. This new community was to be a world where people pooled their resources and they held each other accountable And there was no permission to leave people out because they were too tall or too short or too brusque or too gushy or too left or too right. They didn't agree with you. We had no permission to leave them out because of that. The way Jesus described it, it was a world in which nothing could be taken for granted. God could be anywhere. God could be in anyone. I mean, look around you. God could be there. If you went to sleep, even for 15 minutes, you might miss the important moment, the most important moment of your whole life. You might wake up to find God standing over you with suitcases in both hands, saying, where were you when I arrived? The door was standing wide open. There were no lights on anywhere. I thought I told you to watch out. 
for me. Verse 35 to 37 of the Gospel text says this, Therefore keep awake, Jesus says, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, keep awake. It's the same word in the Greek that Jesus uses when in the Garden of Gethsemane he begs Peter and James and John who'd come along with him and pray with him. It's the same word he used when he urged them to stay awake, to hang with him while he prayed. He says, stay conscious. (laughs) At least that. As hard as it is, as long as it takes, Please don't go to sleep on me. Now, this is a hard saying for someone like myself who loves to sleep. G.K. Chesterton said, Sleep is one of the surest signs of trust in God. Every day I wake up, I think, I made it. And I've had my years when I felt like I was trying to run the world by myself. And I had a hard time sleeping. I used to wake up at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning and start thinking about all the awful things that are going to happen in the world because I failed to handle them properly. I was thinking things like, crazy things, like my dog is going to die because I forgot to give him his arthritis medicine before bed. Or my house is going to be burglarized because I forgot once again to set the alarm. Or at any moment there may be a fire because I have not changed that dumb battery in the smoke alarm. Or the government is going to get all my money when I die because I keep putting off that estate planning appointment. Crazy things like The church is going to fall apart because I forgot to get in on that committee meeting last week. And the longer the list, the longer one stays awake. I found that it's only when I surrendered it all to God, when I could give it back at the end of the day, that I can sink into a blessed unconsciousness. And my wife will tell you now that I have absolutely no problem Falling asleep. In fact, I can do it in a snap now. So, I tend to think of sleep as a good thing. Not a bad thing. But I also know how sleeplessness can work on people who are up against problems that they don't want to face. There's another kind of sleep too. It's the kind that occurs not as a sign of trust, but of terrible fear. So terrible that the mind shuts down. I had a roommate who was like that my first year in college. His name was Ryan. He was a Vietnam vet. He'd just come back from Vietnam. He'd had a leg blown off. He had a steel plate placed in his head to keep things from shuffling around. He was traumatized. He was haunted. He was depressed. 
I was just a kid. I I wasn't even 18 yet. And he was my roommate. And he was wacko. And so he slept. He slept most of the day. He would get up at odd times in the middle of the night. But for the most part, he slept. He slept his life away. I'd come back in the middle of the day, he'd be sleeping. And he was not someone you wanted to wake up. One day, Ryan just disappeared. He packed up all his stuff when I was gone. And he just disappeared. I never heard from him again. I have no idea what happened to him. If you've ever had anesthesia before surgery, you might know how that kind of sleep goes. First, there's a kind of static between your ears, and then the eyelids start to grow heavy. And then sleep comes, and the world goes away. And there's no pain, there's no dreams, just darkness and oblivion. Then there's another kind of sleeplessness that comes from boredom. (laughs) Most of us know about that. I've seen it in church. (laughs) Or, if we want to do a less controversial example of that, you've got a two-hour wait for your flight, let's say. Or a six-hour drive that's ahead of you. Or an eight-hour time slip during which time the mechanic is supposed to arrive. This window of time. And you're going to be waiting for hours upon hours. And when you have that much time on your hands, time can lose its meaning. huh? It's hard to say if it passes slowly or quickly. Because it does both. And it does neither. Even if you find other things to do while you wait, you know you're still waiting. Waiting for something that's out of your control. Waiting for something to happen. Someone to come. Something you can't rush. And the sheer monotony of all that helplessness can put you right to sleep. It does that to me. So I'm not sure which kind of sleepiness Jesus is warning us against here. Maybe all of it. But He clearly wants us to stay awake. Be awake, He says. As long as it takes, as hard as it is, please don't go to sleep on me. Now, none of us ever knows when the end will come. Do we? For us, or for this church, or for the whole world. And the weight of all that unknowing can put us right to sleep. Because being asleep is a lot easier than being afraid. It's a lot easier than being bored. It's a lot easier than being helpless. Being asleep is better than being alive, period. (laughs) Except Jesus won't stand for it. Just won't stand for it. Wake up, Jesus says. Wake up to 
whatever life is bringing to you as a person or as a people or as a community of faith. Wake up to pain if that's there waiting for you. Because you can't be healed until you admit you've got some pain. Wake up to the love that you won't let yourself have because you're afraid if you love, you're going to lose it. Wake up to the future you're so furious about because it's not the one that you ordered. Wake up to the fact that you're not in charge here. You're not the master. You just work here. And while you're at it, wake up to the privilege you have of having that job. Not down in the basement, but at the front door where you're going to be among the first to see when the Master comes back. Wake up. It's been a long time, you know, since Jesus came the first time. We've been waiting a long time for Him to come again. But how long is not really to be the issue for us. How awake we are is. Our job is to stay conscious, to stay alert, to watch for God, to stay alive to everything that life and God is bringing to us so that we don't miss God when God comes. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and forever. Amen.